Hey all you cool cats and kittens, it's Ashton here from Big Cryptid Rescue and I can't keep this bit up much longer to be honest. Uh, I want to say sorry this episode's taken a while, uh, to be honest. Editing it was a bit of a challenge because you know, I messed up Truth or Cryptid so it's not in this episode and you know we have three people on it again so it's just, it's a whole new set of challenges. I'm sorry it took three weeks but I hope you enjoyed this episode about Thunderbirds. Uh, thank you for listening want to do one more shout out Gavin and Brendan who brought me on their podcast a while back. It was weird and it was fun, but I really enjoyed it. That's pretty much all I've got. I don't know when the next episode's going to be out. It's it's taking me a bit longer than usual. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, you know, quarantine, it's a rough time. I hope that you're all staying safe and enjoy this episode. I'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to episode something of Cryptids to Cryptid. I think it's seven or eight. Uh, today we're talking about Thunderbirds, which is... Whoa, a... that was, uh, that, that, that really went off the rails there, Ashton. That was an off the rails intro. Oh my god. We'll, we'll get there in a minute about us going <laughs> off the rails. Uh, speaking of off the rails, the reason we're doing Thunderbirds is because I recently guested on a podcast, Gavin and Brendan's Cryptid Podcast, which has now rebranded to Gavin, Zach, and Brendan's Cryptid Podcast, because when I tried to search for the episode, I couldn't find it again. But we didn't end up talking much about Thunderbirds. Uh, I did learn that Gavin keeps several of the world's most venomous snakes uh, in Massachusetts, and that he's <laughs> allowed to do that because he, I think he works for a zoo. He's got some sort of permit. <laughs> he has also shot himself in the foot. Uh, I think... More than once, but we talked about one time. Uh, and I just wanted to say, uh, I wanted to thank them for being fans of the show because they've literally listened to every episode. Like, they knew our inside jokes better <laughs> than I knew our inside jokes. And they have read my books, which I super appreciate as well. And I just want to say thank you for being fans. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me on. You know, maybe I'll come back I didn't soon. Know we had, I didn't know we had inside jokes. Uh, we got, you know, we got stuff about Rob Lowe. Oh yeah, maybe maybe oh, yeah. I should ex- explain. We have a third voice on the podcast today that hasn't been here in a while. But I have been here before. Yeah, he has been here before. He's uh, w- one of the original hosts. Uh, welcome back, Tyler. <laughs> I don't. What, what was your last episode? Do you remember? Uh, it was it was uh, aliens, right? Roswell was it Roswell? Aliens. I think yeah. it was a Roswell. We did Roswell? Mm. Yeah, we did Roswell. Well, apparently, since then we've gone off the rails. Uh, and to to address that, so we we've received our first negative <laughs> review. And I, I don't want to make a habit of reading all of our negative reviews, but this one is particularly it's really good. Gotten to it's really hold good. On. Yeah. Hold on, Ashton. Let me let me pull up a certain website so I'm prepared for our episode. So the first few episodes were actually decent, but wow, has the show gone downhill. Sad. The later episodes are basically just reciting Wikipedia information. He's not wrong. And their research, <laughs> uh, spelled, you know, T-H-E-Y-R-E, their research, uh, consists of watching other people's YouTube videos oh, and yeah. too short to really go into any information. And one half of the information presented is glaringly, face-palmingly wrong. Guys, seriously, go back to the drawing board. You've gone way with five A's off the rails. Show is garbage now. So, I'll be honest. I mean, I think we got fans. It sounds... That sounds pretty good to me. And, you know, most of our research is Wikipedia and YouTube videos because, I mean, where the fuck do you find information about cryptids that is not Wikipedia and YouTube videos? I actually don't use Wikipedia. Yeah, well, so for stuff like this, for Thunderbirds, it's easier because there's actually, like, a Native American myth behind us. There's quite a bit of information. But for something like the Loveland Frogman, like, you start with Wikipedia, you find the articles it cites, and then you go down those roads. That's that's Mm kind of how it works. But... 
we're officially off the rails now. Uh, we're going to do some weird shit, uh, given that, I forget his name, uh, Cajun, Cajun something, brother. Anyways, you know, thanks for the constructive feedback. This poor guy. <laughs> I mean, he didn't expect he was, was like, going to hey, get roasted. You, you know, but... you really dropped the ball lately, and I really just want you to see you guys do better. Fuck this guy. <laughs> Fuck Cajun tech. But thank I you for the one-star review, keeping us humble. I'm yeah. excited to do an episode on Keanu Reeves being Jesus. So I think that'll be fun when we go way off the rails next season. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is my favorite cryptid. <laughs> All right. So moving on uh, past our reviews, I promise I'm not going to read every negative review we get, but it's the first one. So be careful. We're going to get review bombed real hard if you do. I said the first one, just the first one. But if you guys review bomb us, at least we'll get some reviews. So that'll be nice. <laughs> like, I'll take it. Moving on. How did you first hear about Thunderbirds? Well, I'll tell you, Ashton. I uh, looked at my phone uh, about a week ago. I had a nice text message from my friend Ashton McCauley, uh, author of several novels. Um, I recommend you check him out on Amazon. Uh, and well, anyway, he, his text message said, hey, we're doing Thunderbirds for the next podcast. So I did a little research. I'll go ahead and go next. So Thunderbirds, weirdly are super prevalent throughout the Pacific Northwest. I think that's largely due to their North American heritage. Um, So you have them very ingrained in that culture, especially when it comes to the Seattle area. So what's kind of neat is originally, if you look at the very first Seattle Seahawks logo, it's actually based off a Native American Thunderbird. That's what it's supposed to look like. Uh, but that's not where I first heard of it. Where I first heard of it is that's actually what Seattle's WHL team, that's their like minor league hockey team. They are called the Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, living in Portland, we have a WHL team that's the rival of Seattle. So I was always curious about what exactly a Thunderbird was. Uh, that sent me down a rabbit hole learning about the Native American myth. Uh, but I didn't realize it was actually a cryptid until I started doing a lot of research for this stuff. So really interesting. Um, also on a side note, I always thought it was an airplane because like the blue angels for the Navy, the air force has their demonstration squadron called the Thunderbirds where they perform all across the nation. They're based out of Nevada. So, uh, I thought that was pretty neat as well. I hadn't heard about them until we started doing this podcast, to be honest, like, and I hadn't even, I hadn't researched them at all until Gavin and Brendan asked me to come on. Uh, which is kind of funny given that we didn't talk about Thunderbirds at all, but I did, I did a bunch of research before I went on there and I was like, I don't want to let that go to waste. So we might as well cover them. You, you know, where I actually did like see that it was a cryptid is those little cryptid mystery boxes. When we found that for the Chupacabra, they had a figurine for the Thunderbird. So that's actually where I saw that that's considered a cryptid, but hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think I had seen mention of them too. when we've done some of the stories about dinosaurs, <laughs> Anyways, this 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 legend has a pretty long history that's rooted in Native American culture, which is generally when we get the richest myths and the cryptids that endure the longest. So, Tyler, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, so the Thunderbird was is found in stories like from all over the continent. So lots of Native American tribes sort of have some variation of the Thunderbird, uh, but typically it's viewed as viewed as like a protector. Uh, but sometimes it's viewed as like a like a punisher or something for bad deeds uh kind of reminds me of like stories from like the judeo-christian god or like the bible and stuff um old testament specifically um there's talk about you know people fearing the wrath of the thunderbird again kind of fearing the wrath of god even uh sort of similar 
Um, one story talks about an entire village that's turned to stone by the Thunderbird for their wrongdoings. Uh, but also they're, you know, responsible for bringing rain for the crops. Um, but at the same time, too much rain is flooding and can wipe out entire, you know, groups of people and, and stuff. So I, I really dig, I kind of dig that the Thunderbird is not good or evil. It's just kind of there. And it, it, I guess good is probably a better way of putting it, but it's not a monster the way other cryptids we've talked about have sort of been viewed. Yeah. So um, a lot of people, and we'll get, I'll get into some of the specific tribes in a little bit, but um, many, uh, many of the people who have studied the, the Thunderbird myth, they think it's um, originated as kind of a way for the native Americans to explain the world around them control over life and death the weather all these sorts of things so but yeah the, the does it serves as like a as a deity and kind of shows how the elements sort of affect human life cause uh both life and death so um the other possible origin though um that isn't so well respected is that it's actually actually something that might have existed a super long time ago i'm um, talking like pterodactyls or even like something like a megafauna of some sort which is you know i think like the the one i hear most commonly is like the the sloth was um 10 feet tall or something like that yeah it was like nine thousand pounds and 20 feet in length yeah like 20 feet yeah okay yeah huge uh so that, that that's one possible explanation that that story was just passed down generation after generation after generation until you know even today so tens of thousands of years how would the <laughs> physics work on that? i mean on a big ass bird? bigger you know <laughs> big wings i don't think that's how that works though like even that's that's a lot of well think about the pterodactyl man right they would uh they would fly using updrafts uh and and basically like heat off of really? rocks and shit like that mm-hmm shit, As, sorry well i mean i guess we don't know that for sure right Got the fucking dinosaur nerd over here Hey man, I took dinosaurs in college. I seen I seen Jurassic Park. <laughs> you took dinosaurs in college. <laughs> I did. It was it was my last science credit in, uh, in my senior year of college. I got stoned and took dinosaurs. It was great. <laughs> I took a monkey class. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> back to the pterodactyl for a second, though. Uh, they don't think most people kind of they don't really think it's a pterodactyl because the birds. We'll talk. We talk so much about thunderbirds having feathers and really big feathers, and obviously pterodactyls don't have feathered wings they have wings that are uh you know more similar to like a bat or something so uh the first tribe i started reading about was the algonquin tribe and so thunderbird's pretty central to their mythology their myths sort of talk about it sort of presiding over the uh the upper world which i'm assuming is like a, a better place than the underworld and the underworld is overseen by either an underwater panther or a serpent i found both in research i'm not sure uh, what's going on with that? But uh, and then Thunderbirds um, supposedly, you know, cause thunder by flapping its wings, and it throws in for Algonquins. It throws lightning bolts into the sea at the underworld creatures, um, at the panther or the serpent. It's weird that it's a panther too, because mm-hmm. I guess I, there's cougars, right? So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah like, I'm trying to think of like where they would, where the myth of a panther would come from. There's panthers in South America, right? Or is that jaguars? That's a good question. Uh, I think that's Jaguars. So outside of the Algonquin, um, read about the Menominee 
uh, for one. And there was their myths sort of talked about a giant mountain in the sky, um, and that's where the Thunderbirds supposedly lived and controlled the controlled the weather. And they had these enemies that were called the Great Horn Snake, or their their Great Horn Snakes. They had a name for them I couldn't pronounce, so I didn't try. And Thunderbirds would fight the Great Horn Snakes. Uh, to, to like protect Earth from being overrun by these snakes, which I think is super badass. That's pretty sweet. That sounds a lot like Egyptian mythology uh, as well. Uh. That's interesting. Well, interesting. You should say that. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Winnebago clan, or not clan, <laughs> tribe. The Winnebago tribe. This one's my favorite. They were saying, well, maybe you read something different because it's not that cool. But anyway, if a man has a vision of the Thunderbird, he will become a war chief in that... Thunderbirds could also grant people special abilities. I love that. You have a vision, you're a fucking war chief. Easy win. Yeah. What well, if you just said said you had a vision of the Exactly. Yeah, yeah like Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> the Sioux the Sioux Indians uh said the Thunderbird protected them from dangerous reptilian monsters, which was interesting. Dangerous reptilian monsters are scary. They are. The United States is run by them. So yeah, we, we could use some Thunderbirds apparently. <laughs> Living under uh, Denver International. <laughs> so um, that's. I mean, there there was a ton of other tribes that had a bunch of other stuff on them. Ash, did you have one that you want to talk about? Just one. I think you talked about the the main ones that I saw that were interesting. But the mm-hmm. Shawnee had one that said the Thunderbirds sometimes took the appearance of boys. And they could be identified yeah. by their propensity to speak backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. And that one which, was cool. Which is weird as hell. <laughs> right. And there's other there was other ones talk about them taking the form of men, um, and that they would like turn their beak upwards, almost like taking off a mask. I'm doing it with my hand right now, as you guys can tell. Uh, yeah, that's perfect for yeah. uh, an audio medium. I, yeah, yeah. Well, that was really it brought me in. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh the other thing let's see here birds so that yeah, the thunderbird is you know seen on all sorts of rock and cave drawings um it's seen all over like native american art in general um and i think john's going to talk about some of that the other interesting thing i read was that it that some origins like uh from i don't know if it's from the native americans or from more modern uh researchers think that they come from the mound builders in mississippi have you heard about the mound builders the mounds they're just these like mounds apparently they're real they exist and they're like from prehistoric times these like 20 foot tall mounds that are like maybe 50 to 100 feet wide um that just exist around Miss- the mississippi area what else is there to do in mississippi i don't know <laughs> sex and meth yeah so sorry to any mississippians that were that are listening here uh, football is another answer that i would have accepted <laughs> so the other thing i thought was really interesting is that there's as john suggested and ashton was talking about um, before the podcast was that these thunderbirds are really similar to other creatures that are sort of part of mythology all around the world um the one that i found first was the rock or roke roc and that's kind of from the middle east um giant eagle that would you know again big enough to carry away elephants the thunderbird was typically said that it was big enough to uh fight or to pick up whales i saw that as well yeah so they're just fucking huge birds and supposedly uh marco polo witnessed the the rock or rock or whatever and said its wing span was 16 yards with eight yard long feathers yeah, there's, there's like a bunch of, I mean, like, it, it, it is kind of plausible, like, back in the day, 
like just thinking of the idea of megafauna in general. Yeah, but megafauna existed way before Marco Polo. Yeah, but it also so some of those that we talked about they existed at the time of the Native Americans for sure because Native Americans have been in the U.S. for about fifteen thousand years. But I think in like some of these are from ten thousand. Like there's a bunch that like the megalodon and shit. Those are millions of years. But there are some that date back a little sooner. Yeah. I don't know when Marco Polo was. Uh, um, I think that pretty much covers everything I had to for that one. Yeah, same here. Uh, hit all the beats that I had. Uh, so sightings. Um, when we're talking sightings, we're talking about not just like cave drawings, but actual people claiming they saw a Thunderbird. And what's really tough about that is in cryptozoology, cr- or Thunderbird sightings are pretty much any giant unidentified bird. So some of these had feathers, some of these didn't have feathers, some of these had a 92 foot long body, some of these was a 4 foot long body. So all over the board, and the other thing that's kind of crazy too is this is pretty much all over America with a couple couple stops in the Swiss Alps and Norway, so really all over the world, but a high concentration in Pennsylvania, uh, which I found very odd for a myth that centers around North America. So... Um, now we do have one instance where there actually was one caught and that was in the power plant outside of Cerulean city. Um, that would be Zapdos, uh, jokes aside. One thing that I did want to call out is one of the mythological birds from the first Pokemon game was actually based off of a Thunderbird. It had the same shape. It was, you know, a lightning type Pokemon, but I thought that was really neat how they incorporated one of those Native American myths into the game. So, um, there's that. Now, sightings date back, what I was able to find, back to 1838, which aligns a lot better with what we've seen in cryptids traditionally, that looking at Mkele Bembe, looking at Sasquatch, where it's not just around a movie that made people think about this. Now, Thunderbirds are based off a Native American myth, so there is reality and truth there to an extent um where it wasn't just hollywood popping something but our first sighting is back in 1838 when a five-year-old girl was snatched from the swiss alps following that uh, after a lengthy hiatus in 1890 in tombstone great movie arizona um there was an article from the april 26th uh, edition of the tombstone epigraph where two cowboys shot and killed a large bird with no feathers and a, quote, head similar to an alligator. It looked more like a pterodactyl or a dragon, unquote. Now, this bird was alleged to have a 190-foot wingspan and a 92-foot long body. My main question is, if this thing was that big, how the hell did they take it down with Wild Wild West artillery power unless they had the giant spider spider machine from the movie wild wild west uh must have been now harry mcclure uh who is a lot older i mean he he was a child in 1890 he claimed to know one of the cowboys when he was a kid and this was in 1970 he said the creature had a wingspan of 20 to 30 feet and they actually didn't hit it they just shot it so a giant western tale that just exaggerated all the hell. 
Following that, in June of 1932, Svanhild Hansen was carried away by, quote, a huge eagle in Norway. And that's one of those recurring themes of Thunderbirds as a cryptid is they carry children away. It's it's like eagles with with puppies or cats or those types of things where that is a real thing where you, you small creatures could get carried away by big birds. <laughs> Now, we're going to delve into the land of Pennsylvania for a little bit, where in the 1940s, we had multiple sightings of big birds with 20-foot wingspans. Uh, In 1969, we had a sighting in Clinton County, Pennsylvania. In in the 1970s, we had a sighting of a bird flying towards the Jersey Shore in Pennsylvania. And then we have a really interesting one in Illinois. This was in 1977, and it was in Lawndale. Two unidentified birds attacked a young boy in July. And this is really interesting because some stories say he was 10 years old. Some stories say he was one year old. Some stories say his name was Martin. Some say, stories say his name was Marlin. Uh, but anyway, so I did see it's it's Marlin low in a couple different sources. And he was picked up and carried about 30 feet. Uh, these birds were described as having a white ring around their necks. They were about four and a half feet. An eight foot long wingspan. Six-inch hooked bill and then three front claws, one back claw, and a large black body. So one of the major recurring themes here for Thunderbirds is that they're giant black birds. So a lot of these are are dark. But one thing I do want to think about is when you're looking up at a bird in the middle of the day, it's going to look black because the sun's going to be behind it. So keep that in mind. Now, in 1989, in the Greenville, Florence area of South Carolina, Susan Wooten claimed she saw a 12 to 15 foot long bird, featherless, leathery wings. Um, There's a whole thing about the South Carolina Thunderbird. So that's kind of its own cryptid. And then going back in June of, or June 13th of 2001, back to Greensville, Pennsylvania, a couple people saw a giant bird that they thought was an airplane. It had a feathered body. It uh, had a 15 foot wingspan with a five foot long body. This person's neighbor saw it the next day. July 6, 2001, Erie County, several sightings that were very similar to that June sighting just a few weeks before. Uh, In South Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh, in September 25th, 2001, um, this person heard what he said sounded like flags flapping in a thunderstorm. (laughs) So he looked up. And this bird had about a 10 to 15 foot wingspan and a three foot long head. Going back to South Carolina, the summer of 2004, around the Myrtle Beach area, two people were driving towards Myrtle Beach and there was a flapping sound, quote, like someone's laundry coming off the That's so south. (laughs) (laughs) They said that it looked like a large pterodactyl-like flying creature or flying after their car. So they were being chased. Now, in Pickens, South Carolina, (laughs) there was a similar creature sighted with leather-like wings, almost as big across as the windshield, and dark, but they did not get a good look. That's not that big, though. In in October of 2012... Wait, hold on. Go back to that last one. You said it's only as wide as the... The windshield, which I agree. So that's like four feet? I feel like there's... But like, how, how far up is it flying? I don't know. Four feet just sounds like a hawk or something, right? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm but a, I'm no birdologist. 
<laughs> so in October of 2012, residents of Togiak in Monacota reported sightings of a bird the size of, quote, a small otter plane. And this is in Canada. And this is a 14-foot wingspan. In May of 20, May 26, 2013, back in Pennsylvania, two people were walking through the woods near Bryn Athen Castle. This is a suburb of Philadelphia. This bird was extremely loud. It was a huge black bird with wingspans of at least 10 feet. So think of like Giannis Atetokounmpo with his arms like stretched out wide. Uh, and it was at least four feet tall. Ashton, that's a sports uh, reference. Yeah, I was going to say, I, uh, who? <laughs> who? I assume he was big. He was a big guy, this guy. G- Giannis. <laughs> Our last one is in January of 2018 in Juneau, Alaska. Tabitha Bauer, dri- while driving, spotted a giant black bird, claimed the wingspan was nearly as wide as the road. She's gotten a lot of flack for it. Residents of her community have come out and supported and said that there have been other sightings there. So, like I said, really wide ranging, mainly because pretty much any unidentified flying bird is considered a thunderbird in the cryptozoology community. So it's really hard to drill down what people are actually seeing. It's interesting that we had so many in South Carolina, just because I don't feel like I've heard South Carolina talked about a ton in research for um, any of the cryptids really that I've done. Mostly, mostly it's in you know the Northwest. There's some stuff you know in the in the Southwest and uh, yeah, parts like it, of the it, South. it is interesting. There's a lot about them picking up whales and stuff too. That seems to be a pretty common theme across all of them. Yeah, huh. I found yeah. Pennsylvania being a weird spot for them as well. Yeah, um, the thing about Pennsylvania for me is that it's in the Northeast, which is where like the Algonquin tribe is kind of sort of situated. And also a lot of like, uh, you know, American histories occur up there in Pennsylvania specifically. So at least there's like a history there of, of things happening. Uh, South Carolina history of the mystery, you might say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't even mean just necessarily, necessarily related to crypto cryptids, but I, uh, you know, South Carolina is just kind of a state that you don't, at least over here, I don't ever hear about South Carolina. That's fair. Unless there's primary. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a good so, football team there. Speaking of, speaking of Panthers, is that correct? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are the Panthers, right? <laughs> what? No. No. I yeah, was they... talk I was talking about Clemson. Well, the Carolina Panthers are there. That's North Carolina. Yeah, I, I, oh, is, is it? it? Yeah, it's Why also Why do they have a North and a South one? Why don't they come up with a new name when you name a state? Yeah, come on, Carolina. Jesus. Anyways, speaking of weird shit. There, there's a real left turn for this uh, this myth here. And uh, there's one sighting I didn't see you mention, John, is uh, from Laguna de Diablo in the, the 1800s. Uh, so allegedly, this is a lake that has an entrance to the underworld at the bottom. Ooh. And there is a beast that would come out of the water and kill livestock. And it sounds, right, that sounds like a water cryptid, but it's not. Apparently, this was a bird that would come out of the water and then fly around and kill livestock. And it's it's cited as being very similar to the one in Tombstone, but with a few key differences. Uh, so the, in Tombstone, they said it was bulletproof in the first story, like they shot at it. Or, <laughs> or sorry, in the, in the follow-up story, the one where uh, they were called liars, <laughs> they said they <laughs> shot at it and they didn't do any damage to it. And that their horses just got spooked and ran away. That that's one of the the theories for that one. But this one, they said it was straight up bulletproof and metallic. <laughs> and 
when a Native American chief was asked about the legends around Laguna de Diablo, because it's apparently home to a lot of other cryptids, uh, he said that when they weren't able to identify something, they just would append the devil to it uh, back in the day. So that's like how we get stuff like Devil's Tower, uh, because it's just a rock formation that can't be explained uh, or couldn't be at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they would just append devil to it. And so that's how this lake got its name. And it's it kind of tracks with the whole myth of the Thunderbird basically fighting water spirits. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a thing. But anyway, so they said it was metallic. And this brings me to the weird bend, which is that a lot of people think that Thunderbirds are UFO related. Uh, by a lot of people, I mean the History Channel. Uh, I went and watched some some YouTube videos from them. <laughs> Fucking wonderful. People. Good job. So Cajun was right. So Cajun was right. I mean, hey, I'm not I'm not faulting him. He's not wrong. Uh, like <laughs> I'm not above watching YouTube videos. As yeah, research. I'm definitely not above that. There's some great <laughs> shit in there. They they say that a lot of these are due to something called cultural tracking, which is a really like really really clever way to to go about covering up i don't even, actually it may not even be that clever it basically says the idea that a ufo can mask itself to appear less visible in different cultures uh in this case disguising itself as a massive bird that to is fool settlers so dumb i mean yeah but it, hey it is a convenient explanation is it not it's incredibly <laughs> convenient it's so stupid yeah god damn yeah History this, Channel. this sighting where they said the bird is metallic though like that's that's weird as shit and apparently there's there's plenty of people that think that all these sightings of Thunderbirds are just mysterious alien craft that have disguised themselves so that we will not suspect them. And uh, in my opinion, why disguise yourself as a giant fucking bird if you don't want to be suspected? But, so, I mean, and that's that's really the extent mm. of the UFO shit. But I thought that that was interesting and in its own right to bring up. Yeah, it's So real quick, before we got into the, the truth or bullshit, because we're, we're actually running pretty long right now. couple, I'm going to go through the, the, the plausible explanations and then I've got three of my own that I wanted to add in. Um, so the first explanation is megafauna, which... Basically, large. It means large creature. Uh, so we still have megafauna, like an elephant is considered megafauna. Oh, really? Um, is a yep. whale? Yeah, uh, I think I think whales. Yeah, it literally just means like large creature. So in anything that's that is huge in nature. There's a couple that were around fifteen thousand years ago, which would track. Uh, so there's the giant ground sloth, which we talked about. The yep. glyptodon, which is an armadillo that's the size of a Volkswagen bug, mm-hmm. uh, and you know two hundred <laughs> pound beavers. Just weird <laughs> shit. So that's that's totally plausible. Maybe there was a big bird. <laughs> Sorry. Does it, In my mind, I thought, I've been to Oregon State's campus. They're on oh the football my field. God. So many football references this episode. God, for a sport that's not even playing. I guess no sports are playing. Anyway, second explanation, the weather. Uh, Native Americans are simply ascribing lore to extreme weather conditions, which tracks with how the myths were created around the world. Uh, Thunderbirds mm-hmm. in a lot of cultures uh, were seen from spring to fall. And they were thought to combat water spirits, which kind of makes sense when you think about the fact that drownings increase in the summer, which means that water spirits would be thought to be more active in the summer because more people are dying in water-based accidents. Um, and so the the fact that there's lightning at the same time and lightning happens to strike water, that all comes together pretty well. If people swam during the winter as much as they swim during the summer, there'd be way more deaths related to drowning yeah, totally. So, but I mean, like, yeah. if you if you just think about like when you're generating explanations, right? There's plenty of correlations that you can make. I, I'm just saying, like, as far as how myths form, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, Ashton's conspiracy corner. Yeah, yeah, Ashton's conspiracy <laughs> corner. Uh, explanation one: aliens. I already covered it. I'm not going to cover it again. B: 
Deep in the heart of the desert, uh, P.T. Barnum was secretly working on a new attraction to rival even his greatest circuses. Much like Jurassic Park, he was trying to bring dinosaurs back to life, only it was the 1800s, so there was more lightning involved, and there were actually pterodactyls. I think that's pretty plausible. (laughs) And then the last one, (laughs) back in the 40s, when we were trying to create jets that broke the sound barrier, the U.S. government realized a fatal flaw in fast aircraft design. If a plane didn't accelerate fast enough past the 88-mile-an-hour point, it would simply time travel. Uh, it is believed that there are tens of planes sent back to the past from these mistakes, and that is why planes have such quick acceleration in the modern day and won't take off if the wind is too strong. Also, chemtrails. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, I mean, those are my theories. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think, guys? Truth, truth or bullshit on this one? <laughs> I think very large birds were a thing at some point. I don't think that they're necessarily thunderbirds that rain down lightning. Right. Well, we know for a fact, uh, based on modern science, that they are not responsible for thunder and lightning and or even rain. Um, <laughs> we also know for a fact that... Uh, uh, there are not. Uh, there's not one... Uh, well, I don't know for a fact, I guess, there's no underworld, but not on this plane of existence, right? So um, from that perspective, 100% bullshit. What about the idea that there is just some sort of undiscovered megafauna bird um, or or even like a modern-day cousin of a pterodactyl that these people were seeing? No, I don't think so. I, no. You would... We, it, I'm sorry, like, these things just would be seen. Like, it's a fucking bird. At least it's at least with Bigfoot or Yeti or something, it's hiding in the woods or it's hiding in these mountains that are hard to get around, you know? But a bird? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I'm going to say not God, not even plausible, but, like, I will say it's possible in the, in the you know, like, 10,000 years ago. Like, I, I'd say that that's that's possible like when the native americans were first sighting these things but i am gonna go ahead and call bullshit on the 1800s uh sightings forward yeah i think yeah for sure like there's no modern sightings of a bird that's that big oh maybe a bird that's four feet in you know wingspan that's reasonable uh, yeah the one that covered the windshield i buy that's like the only one but if yeah. it's you know for talking i think like one was 100 feet i think at one point and that was the tombstone one that they basically were told that they then said was metal so well either way um <laughs> yeah i definitely call bullshit on metal birds that are also <laughs> aliens uh like that one i can pretty easily say uh no i do i do i do agree with you ashton that there was likely or potentially a you know a megafauna bird um that existed and was seen by the native american tribes sure i think that's reason that's reasonable but i'm no birdologist yeah i'm, I'm no birdologist either but uh you know yeah, it is what it is. This is a uh, what we got. What's on tap for the rest of the season, Ashton? Episode eight, we're gonna do the Wendigo and Skinwalkers. Episode nine, we're gonna do another episode of Cryptid Cinema. So last time we did Harry and the Hendersons, I think we have some pretty good Chupacabra films on tap that we can dig into. I'm so excited. Yeah, and uh, and then the last one, we're gonna do another Cryptid Royale, which I know that we had talked about a few possible themes for that. I do like worldwide Sasquatches because there's just so many different variations on that myth. But it might get a little, uh, I don't know, boring. Get a little boring doing doing a bunch of Sasquatches over and over again. <laughs> Although I don't know how different Yowie. Um, oh, and one thing I wanted to mention before we go, I want to thank uh, Benjamin Radford for the fucking incredible interview we did two weeks ago. This guy is like a real life Scooby Doo mysteries. He is hired to investigate myths and 
goes and debunks them. He is literally credited as the person who was able to debunk the Chupacabra myth uh, outright. It is an amazing interview. He has got some really cool books out. I'm definitely going to have him on again because we just didn't have enough time to discuss all the crazy shit that he's looked into. But yeah, yeah, great, great interview. Go listen to it. And I don't know, we'll be back in some amount of time. That's it for this episode. Next time we're going to be talking about Wendigos and Skinwalkers. So that should be a fun and I'm guessing very weird episode. If you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is to share with your friends. Or if you're on a platform that allows reviews like iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, go ahead and review us. That helps as well. And then if you want to support me, I have several books out. Uh, One is called Whiteout. It's about a guy hunting a Yeti and getting drunk. It's a fun adventure. And then I've got A Man of the Mountain, which is a bit shorter. It's about a guy who dresses up like Bigfoot and murders people. Pretty entertaining in my opinion, but I wrote it, so who knows. It's a hard time out there for indie authors, so if you can pick it up, or if you have read it already and want to leave a review, reviews help a lot. And that's all I got. I'll see y'all in probably probably about three weeks. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. It's all, it's all dependent. Stay safe, wash your hands, and we got this. Talk soon.